Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Yeah, I have been uh, based in Dubai for last 14 years, but I'm originally from Turkey. And I have done a variety of jobs at HP, but not limited to. I had a curious mind. I had changed roles. I worked in different industries, defense, software, telecom. And I'm really excited to be with you and uh, with your listeners today. That's awesome. Thank you. Great to have you here. And Bingo, you and I met uh, a few years ago, and uh, I had the pleasure of facilitating some events around the top talent within Hewlett Packard, and you were one of the attendees of some of those programs, which was fantastic to see. And But the question I've got for you here is, how did you get into leadership? I think it was an interesting story because uh, at times people aspire for leadership, but uh, leadership found me in a way because I was curious, I was passionate, I was always trying to help others to make an impact, and I became the natural leader in customer relations in a way because at that time I was based in Dubai and uh, I was mentoring Israel and different countries and Turkey at that time. And our projects got uh, successful because we were fully accountable with the results and it was an organic progression for me. And also we worked with the different teams, building on relationship, improving on results and finding where we could do more of not being intimidated by each other's success, but rather on the bright spots. What can I learn from whom? Who has the best result on what area? Who has the best skill that could benefit for the bigger picture? Uh, So we became better as a team and being proud of what we are doing while not taking ourselves so seriously. Fantastic. Meaning, so we weren't, I like that, we weren't intimidated by each other, but we looked at the bright spots and we learned from each other, which is great. And you use the word being accountable. How important is it for leaders today to be accountable? I think it means everything, every step of the way, and uh, your actions count more than your words. And everyone is looking up to you to play the role model every day, whether it is your child, whether it's your stakeholders, everybody is watching you and making a judgment out of your uh, actions. Also, maybe it's true to say 
people are inspired more from the positives, but also ready to spot the negatives and like uh, behaviors, uh, which is not ideal, but you may be talking otherwise. So I promise to myself, I will be accountable for my actions. I will be accountable to others. And I'd like to be the change every time I want to see in the world, beginning with myself. Oh, fantastic. So the change in the world, for any kind of change to happen, I would like to see that start with me. And I think that's a beautiful way to think about things there, uh, Bengu. So, so well done in saying that. Thank you very much, Dennis, because that's what I truly believe. It's easy to get drowned into office politics or criticism, but the best way is uh, also to stay on the uh, positive, focus on the good things that could initiate a change and show with your actions positive results and positive environment and uh, trusted relationship is possible even in today's ever-changing world. Yeah, and I think that's important too, right? By showing your actions, by being the change, being positive in that, that starts to build trust, which you just said, which is really important. So, Bengu, here's a question for you. And the question is, the person can be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? I think I have a couple of favorite leaders. Of course, being from Turkey, Atatürk is everybody's leader because he has achieved revolutionary results at a very difficult time for the country. And he transformed and have driven the change in a new era of modernization, including civil and political equality for minorities and women. Also, from recent time, I find uh, creative founders of Pfizer, BioNTech vaccines, uh, creators Ur Shahin and Özlem Turaci, because they are extremely valuable for the world, not only for the impact they make for the world, humanity, but also they are a greatest advert to science and technology, starts up and immigration, and also trusting yourself no matter what. Also, for a different reason, Greta Thunberg, she's such a young, passionate, straight talker person. And uh, she is also a great example. You're never too small to make a change and you're never too small to make an impact. Of course, Nelson Mandela, peace, justice, freedom, what he brought to uh, multiracial democracy is a great example when we are talking about Black Lives matter. I think uh, you're never too small to make a change or impact. I think that that's wonderful. I like also what you said there about trust yourself no matter what. Now, if I go back to what you said around never too small to make a change or impact, people say to me, well, it's big things that have to make a change or impact. And I go, no. And they go, what do you mean? I went, well, you think about it at nighttime. If there is a mosquito in your room, does that make an impact? Does that make a change in your room? Does it bother you? Totally. And people go like, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> exactly, totally. But it's only a small little thing, right? But that mosquito has so much impact. So you're right. Never too small to make a change or impact. Great example, Dennis. Oh, look, I grew up in a large family. And when I say large, I'm 12 with 13 children. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of fun, I guess. And, and 
I think I knew quite early that I was a, a, a leader or I was different. And, and I also realized that, that, you know, everybody had a personality type and, you know, we would, we would play games. You imagine we could put a cricket team together or a couple of rugby teams or a football game pretty much on our own as a family. And I would be the one as the second youngest that would organize everything. And, and, you know, I would make the rules up or change the rules or become the referee. And I think we're born as leaders and, the, and then we learn to adapt, but you know, I had a lot of fun as a child and I, and I had a great upbringing and I think that I left school when I was 15. I didn't have the opportunity of a, of a university education and, and that was all good. I mean, I, 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 I've never gone back and tried to do that, but what I did learn at school was a little bit about business and my first business and some people probably won't like this was my older brothers would buy cartons of cigarettes and I would break them down and sell them individually. So I knew at that stage that I was an entrepreneur and that I could get people to buy from me and that if I created opportunities, people would follow me. And so my brothers did very well out of my little first business and I did well as well. Excellent. Well, well done. And so when you say born as leaders, but then we learn to adapt, what, what are some things that some leaders, you know, uh, who are leaders or even others who say, well, I don't think I was born as a leader. What would you say to them? What would you say to people to help them learn to adapt? What would they do? I would say that we all have some leadership qualities, but some of us know inherently from a very early age that we are born to lead and that others will follow. What I would say to other people who are learning how to lead people is that they need to be confident and, and, and you know, public speaking is a very important part of that, being able to orate or portray the message of being confident that people will follow you. Leadership is about belief, belief in the person that you are following. And it's really important for you if you're learning to be a leader to, you know, to research into what a good leader is and, and what those qualities are. And for me, those are, are having self-belief, being confident, you know, not being afraid to fail. Mm. And, and, you know, it's all about the tribe. Have a tribe, people that will follow you. Yeah. And, and it's quite interesting about the not uh, afraid to fail, because I think a lot of people don't go and do things in life because they do fear that failure or not succeeding. And they always want it to be perfect. And I don't think it will ever be perfect for them. And so, yeah, not afraid to fail. I think it's a big one there for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. And so you said at a young age at school and that you could see yourself with, with different sporting things that you did and arrangements and you're sort of leading and then I could see if, you know, from your introduction, you were in some corporate roles in that corporate ladder, some several high-level positions, both in New Zealand and the UK. So how did you get into leadership? So when I left school at 15, I was laboring for a while. I was quite happy just to be out of school, I guess, and, and not being told what to do. That was the other problem I had with school was everybody wanted to tell me what to do. And as a leader, you find that a little bit frustrating at times even when you're 15 and probably more so as a teenager with five of them now, none of them want to be told what to do. But I, I was lucky enough to join a company as, as a storeman and, and quickly became a, a sales rep for them and then became a branch manager for them when I just turned 20. And they were a New Zealand wide company owned by a, a, a French parent company. And so there was a lot of opportunity in that business. And I spent a fair amount of years with that company, just working my way up the what I call the the corporate leadership channels, 
doing what you need to do. And, and then when I decided it was time to, to go overseas, I, when I went to the UK, I was fortunate again to, to join a company that was actually going to be my employer. It turned out for 11 years. So I spent 11 years with the same company in the UK and that was in the electrical distribution field. I guess what the UK taught me really about leadership was that you needed to play at your best all the time. You couldn't have a bad day consistently that it would catch up with you. Whereas in New Zealand, we're a little bit laid back as a whole. In the UK, there were very little opportunities for error if you wanted to continue your leadership journey to that next level. Right. So fundamentally, two companies gave me a very long stint in in the corporate world, and I ended up with way too many staff. And, and was finding it just a, a huge challenge. I mean, some of the things I learned in that corporate world was that I learned how to make money, make a lot of money, make a lot of money for the company who in turn that made a lot of money for me. And so to do that, I had to become a leader at that stage that ran a very profitable business, which meant making some really tough calls around staff expenses and I essentially became a hatchet man I guess which is not a great thing for a leader to be because we can be quite ruthless yep and pursuit of what we want to achieve and so it taught me that to play at those sorts of levels that you really can't be too personable with any of your staff that you have to lead by example and that you really have to drive your business and so I, I you know, a lot of the traits as a leader that I was learning were ruthlessness, money at all costs, all those sorts of things. And, and I was in my twenties and thirties and that was actually okay for me. Then I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. Okay. Good points. And so yeah, sometimes we do need to make those tough calls. We have those tough decisions or discussions and that. And I think the important thing is that you do do it in the sense a lot of leaders don't make decisions. Uh, they sit back and they, they don't actually want, want to do it. And I think it's really important they do make decisions and then get on with it. It may not be the right decision. It may not be the right answer or the right thing. But, you know, you can at least adapt from it once you've made a decision and, and move forward, which I think is really key. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. So the question I've got for you here now is, now this person could be alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? Winston Churchill. Uh-huh. Okay, and why? Winston Churchill. I mean, I have, a, I have a lot of heroes, but Winston Churchill is my favorite leader. If you talk about heroes, which are a little bit different, I would talk about the Nelson Mandela's of this world. And, but as an absolute leader, Winston Churchill, I mean, no one turned failure to better use than Winston Churchill. You know, everybody knows what happened when he was the first Lord of the Admiralty, the disastrous attack that he, that he planned and failed so badly at Gallipoli, he resigned and then went to the, to basically volunteered to go to the front of France and fight. So he was prepared to go right to the very front to, to make amends. And then when he was, um, when he re-entered politics, you know, the rest is history. Then we hear all the good things and the, and the awesome things about the leader that he was. But, you know, I think the most important thing about Winston Churchill is, is that 
he could speak so profoundly. We all know the speech about, you know, we will fight on the beaches and da-da-da-da-da, you know, I don't have to repeat that. But he spoke and people listened and people followed. And he had the belief of the people. And if anybody got in his way, then he just moved them to the left or the right and carried on. And without Winston, we could be sitting in a very different world. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 